0: that we might grow to be complete in Christ. There are some people who, it seems, tend to become infatuated with the abilities and talents that God has given them. It's almost as if they believe that these gifts and abilities are things that they made or developed. For which they deserve all the credit and glory. They forget that everything we are and everything we have are really gifts from our Heavenly Father bestowed upon us through His grace. You know what I'm talking about. You've come across some people like this, I'm sure. They believe that they themselves are God's gift to humankind. I must ace out to point, however, that being confident and sure of oneself is different from the superior attitude that some people display. This is not the sort of thing that I'm talking about here. I suppose a lot of it has to do with one's deportment, the way that these people tend to conduct themselves, particularly in a public setting. I heard a pastor refer to this kind of thing the other day. He said it in a very interesting way. This is how he said it, and I quote, don't let your giftings take you further than your character can handle, unquote. That bears repeating. Don't let your giftings take you further than your character can handle. Well, that particular word is unusual. Don't believe I've ever heard it used this way before. Giftings. In the context, this word obviously is meant to refer to our talents, God-given abilities, those attributes and characteristics and abilities in which we excel, in which we are able to show a particular expertise, and often different or more obvious than in other people who themselves have their own particular strengths and talents. These strengths are what are being termed here as giftings, our individual gifts from a gracious God. So the caution is when referring to our gifts, talents and abilities, do not become so enamored and self-focused on what we are and what we can do such that we are inclined to allow ourselves to advance further into the area of showmanship and places where we are able to show off our abilities. In other words, to showcase what we are good at doing so others will be duly impressed with us and what we are able to do. There is a fine line between showing off and just doing the best we can with what God has blessed us. That invokes the idea of character, doesn't it? Does that make you think more about your giftings and how you handle yourself?
1: Have I offed my face While the storms fall above me And there's no hiding place Mid the crash of the thunder Precious Lord, hear my cry Keep me safe till the storm passes by Is over till the thunder sounds no more. But the storms come no more. Let me stand in thy presence on that bright, peaceful shore. In that land where the tempest never comes, Lord, may I No more.
0: Remember, the expression was, don't let your giftings take you further than your character can handle. You are a unique individual. Your upbringing, education, personal traits, and so on all contribute to who you are and how you are seen by other people. Your giftings make up a large part of that person who you are. Your abilities, talents, and training fairly shout out what kind of person you are. The advice then from this pastor is that we should be careful that we do not lose sight of our limitations and that we do not become so impressed with our own abilities, our giftings in other words, that we allow them to take us beyond who we really are, beyond that which our character can handle, says this particular pastor. This then becomes pride and human vanity, and pride, says the Bible, goes before a fall. Ecclesiastes also has a lot to say about vanity and the pride of life. When Jesus came down to the river Jordan for the first time, and John the Baptist spotted him, recognized who he was, you remember he made reference to the fact that Jesus must increase and he must decrease. That stance is sometimes difficult to do, but it is expected of the disciples of the Lord Jesus. So if you are one that has been blessed with tremendous talents and giftings, don't let your giftings take you further than your character can handle good advice from that unnamed pastor isn't it
2: Lord here I am again down on my knees in prayer and Lord you promised me you would always me there. Now there's a mountain up ahead that I can't seem to climb, but I'm praying for the strength to try it one more time. Lord, don't move that mountain, just give me to climb. For if you should move each mountain, I might grow weaker every time. And just like your son Jesus took the cross up Calvary's hill, Lord, don't move that mountain, So I may better do your will. Now if I had no mountains, Lord, I might forget to pray. And if there were no trials, Lord, I might even stray. But I know that higher the mountains The sweeter the victory. Lord, ever remind me that you will walk beside of me. Lord, don't move that mountain. Just give me strength to climb. mountain, I might grow weaker every time, and just like your son Jesus took the cross of Calvary's hill, Lord, don't move that mountain so I may better do your will. Mountain, so I may to do your way.
0: And now with this message for today, here's our pastor Alan Lee. Good morning and greetings once again in the
3: name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let me ask you a question: How can or should believers in Christ cope with crises situations in a way that glorifies God and provides them with a sense of peace and even joy in times of personal crisis in a way that demonstrates that their faith in Christ does make a difference. I believe that Hezekiah has an answer for us. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Second Kings chapter 19 because that's what we'll be talking about. I won't be able to read the entire passage but I'll be drawing extracts from it. As a background, let me give you Hezekiah's situation. As the king of Israel, Hezekiah is facing a siege of Jerusalem by Sennacherib, the king of Assyria. Sennacherib has the city surrounded, and his troops are much superior in number and skilled than the Jews. He arrogantly ridicules Hezekiah and belittles and defames and blasphemes God before all the people. And so his taunting, demeaning, blasphemous words to the Jews is found in chapter 18 of Second Kings, especially beginning at verse 22. It is a demeaning diatribe against the people of God and the God of his people. Sennacherib then sends a letter to Hezekiah, outlining his demands and once again arrogantly voicing his threats against Jerusalem and Jerusalem's God. Hezekiah realizes that certain annihilation is at hand. If ever there was a crisis situation, my friends, this is it being faced by Hezekiah. But now notice how he handles the situation. First of all, he gives the problem to God. This is seen in chapter 19 of Second Kings, verse 14. It says, Hezekiah received the letter from the messenger and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. I just love that. He went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. This shows both that Hezekiah had confidence in God and that he had a personal relationship with him also. Friends, these traits are essential in times of crisis if we are to meet them successfully. Confidence in the God with whom we have a personal relationship. Let me ask you, is that true of you today? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior? And if you do, do you have faith in his ability and his willingness and his desire to provide the help you need in times of crisis? Hezekiah certainly did. That's step one in handling a crisis. Give it to God. But secondly, Hezekiah also recognized the sovereignty of God. He recognized that even though he was in the midst of a terrible crisis, his God, with whom he had a personal relationship and in whom he trusted, This God was still in control. He was sovereign. Listen to the words of verse 15. Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven on earth. Hezekiah is actually worshipping God In the midst of his crisis situation. He worships God before he asks for his help. He acknowledges God's absolute ability and power to help him. He also acknowledges his absolute confidence in a God of absolute sovereignty. We too, my friends, must never doubt that God is in control of his universe, but also of our circumstances. No matter how desperate they may be, God is still on the throne. And so, the second step in handling a crisis is recognize that God is still in control. Thirdly, Hezekiah also understood that God's honor was at stake in his situation. This is what he says in verse 16. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. Open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to insult the living God. Now, this is in keeping with Psalm 23, verse 3, where David says that the Lord, as his good shepherd, restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness, notice now, for his namesake, that is, for the sake of his reputation. God's reputation, my friends, as a caring and loving father is dependent upon his care and protection for his children. So, that's step three in facing a crisis. Remember that God's reputation is at stake. But finally, notice that Hezekiah voiced his concern to God, not to his men. This is what he says in verse 17. It is true, O Lord, that the Assyrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods but only wood and stone, fashioned by man's hands. Friends, listen. We must always turn to God in time of crisis before we turn to man. It is amazing how even Christians fail here turning to psychologists, psychiatrists, pastors, and even doctors before turning to God for help. Hezekiah knew better. God was Hezekiah's first line of defense, not man, and it should be with us also. How we need to learn and apply this lesson to our own lives when we face a crisis. Turn to God first rather than to man. But fifth, Hezekiah wanted the crisis solved in a way that would glorify God. Notice what he says in verse 19. Now, O Lord our God, deliver us from his hand so that all nations on earth may know that you alone, O Lord, is God. You see, Hezekiah was not seeking his own glory Or the glory of his own people, or the glory of Jerusalem. He was seeking for the glory of God. I say again, this must always be our desire as well, not only in times of crisis, but at all times. But especially, of course, in times of crises. Sometimes God is glorified, my friends, not by taking us out of the situation but by being with us and leading us through the situation in a way that demonstrates his power, his grace, and his mercy. Now, God answered Hezekiah with a miraculous deliverance. Listen to these amazing words in verses 35 and 37. Quote, That night the angel of the Lord went out and put to death 185,000 men in the Assyrian camp when the people got up the next morning there were all the dead bodies around them and so Sennacherib king of Assyria broke camp and withdrew he returned to Nineveh and he stayed there and one day while he was worshipping in the temple of his god Nishrach his sons Adramalek and Shereza cut him down with the sword and they escaped to the land of Ararat and his son Succeeded him as king. End of quote. Now, of course, God doesn't always answer in this miraculous, powerful way, but you can be sure of one thing, my friends: He does always hear and answer the prayer of His people, of those who trust Him and call upon Him in faith, especially when we pray that our crisis is solved for His glory. And not for us. So then, to recap, what principles can we learn from this incident when we face crisis situations today ourselves? Actually, they are so evident here, all we have to do is restate them. So, first, in a time of crisis, we must turn to God first, not to man. Give the problem to him in prayer. Peter says in 1 Peter 5 7, cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. The psalmist says in Psalm 37, 5, commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. And Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God and the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Secondly, recognize that God is still in control. He is not forsaking you, no matter how desperate the situation may seem. He is there with you. He is there with us. He is in the midst of the storm with us. He is all-powerful, all-wise, and all-loving. He will do what is best for us In the time that it is best for us, we must trust him and his sovereignty. But then third, let God know your fear. Let him know of your frustration and apprehension. When God took Ezekiel's wife, for instance, the text says Ezekiel cried out to God to his loss. First, not to man. God then ministered to him. God met Ezekiel in his pain. Then Ezekiel was able to minister to man from a position of victory rather than defeat. Secondly, consider the possibility that Satan could be behind a crisis in an attempt to ruin your testimony and your ministry, but that God could turn it around to glorify himself. God's honor is at stake in all of our responses to life's experience determine then to glorify god in a crisis situation no matter how difficult it may be his glory not your happiness or mine is the most important thing in life matthew 6:33 reminds us of the truth seek ye first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you in other words put god first others next, and then yourself. Remember this, my friends. Self-love before love for God is self-idolatry. Let me repeat that. Self-love before love for God is self-idolatry. Finally, trust God to solve the crisis in his way and in his time. Wait patiently for him to act. It could be immediate, it could be miraculous, but at the same time, it could be wait, it could be no. But friends, whatever way God, the sovereign one, chooses, we are to trust him regardless. This then is God's way for us to handle crisis situations that may come our way. Let's follow his instructions and glorify him As we do so. As always, this is Pastor Lee saying, Sila, think and act on these things.
0: have been listening to Echoes of Calvary a radio ministry of Calvary Bible Church in Nassau, Bahamas Our morning worship service begins this morning at 11 o'clock in the sanctuary located on Collins Avenue. We extend an invitation to you to join us on these occasions. If you would like to contact the church or Pastor Lee address your letters to Echoes of Calvary, Post Office Box N1684 Nassau, Bahamas
2: The great commander's promise He will surely come again Happening along